You are listening to Let's Be Honest with your host, Just Jonda. Hello and welcome to Let's Be Honest. I'm your host, Just Jonda, and tonight is one of our fun nights. We're here to do our Bravo Gossip Chat and Real Housewives of Salt Lake City Season 2, Episode 11. Because it is Thanksgiving week, there's so much going on, but we still wanted to get the episode in and give you a little of the the Bravo gossip we've been trying to desperately catch up on. So before we get started, of course, I can't do this without podcast bestie, fellow lawyer, and your fave, Missy. Hello, Missy. Hi. (laughs) We got to cheer you in. Oh, Missy, you went quiet. What happened? Can you hear me? Oh, I can hear you now. Perfect. Okay. Claws, I'm realizing I don't get enough in real life. So well, I just there you a go. Delicious moment. Yes. <laughs> of course. Oh my gosh, there's so much going on and and so much going on just with Real Housewives of Salt Lake City. Um, It's funny because last night's episode gave us a little bit of meat in pockets, but there's so much to fill in that we know because of where they were then versus where we are now that you know, once we fill in those pockets, we're going to have a heck of a show, even where they may have had some filler. So (laughs) I'm, (laughs) so I'm really excited about that, but there is some Bravo gossip we're going to catch up on. So what I'm going to do is I'm just going to say, we've got 20 minutes to go for the gusto with this Bravo gossip. Whatever we don't finish, we'll see in that first 20, we'll see where we're at at the end, because I don't want to give, short shrift uh, to the show because there has been a lot going on behind the scenes and just stuff that we knew um, that you and I alluded to, of course, that we've been holding on to because we knew it would make more sense when they got to this point on the show, like some of the stuff with Mary that we've been kind of dancing around for like a year, but now we're finally here. Um, so, right, but let's, right. but let's get to the gossip stuff first. Now guys, some of this stuff, um, has been going on for the past couple of weeks, but I've deliberately not talked about it on the F and D which is our daily gossip page on Facebook, because you know, Hey, you want to know you come over here. So <laughs> first, I guess we could do the roundup of the ladies of Roja. And I'm going to start with uh, some of the recent, uh, from the most recent to, to going back to stuff that's happened over the last two weeks, because some of it they may have heard. But just in the past two days, there's been stuff that have come out, um, especially about 
OGs in particular. One being Nene, because, you know, no matter what, she's not on the show, but she can't escape it because that's how we know her. So the latest on her, well, there were two stories. About a week or so ago, um, she mentioned, I don't think we talked about this. Did we talk about the fact that she basically said on The View that, not The View, I'm sorry, The Real, which is kind of the homegirl's view nowadays, um, that she would be interested in coming back to Roja. Did we talk about that? I don't think we did. I'm not sure. I don't think we did. I mean, we've talked about Nini, but. I don't think we talked yeah. about that specifically. Yeah. And when I say Roja, Real Housewives of Atlanta, you know, we get deep into this Bravo world and now Bravo even has acronyms, right? So so she mentioned in a roundabout way being interested in coming back. And I got to tell you, Andy Cohen pretty much he didn't come out and say no, but the way that he addressed it in, in my mind, and I think in the minds of a lot of listeners, still kind of made clear that the door was closed. Now, Andy gets a lot of crap. Most of it deserved. You have heard Missy and I talk about uh, our issues with Andy Cohen, although I think some of it is... Um, a mixed bag because you can't necess- you can't totally beat up on somebody who you're getting what you want out of the deal too you just may not like how you're treated when you get it but this but this is the trade off now on the flip side there is a noticeable difference in how he lords that over that whole you know i've made you type thing uh, how he treats the black housewives as it relates to that um, versus the white housewives and um, how those comments, it, it, and that's quite disturbing, especially considering that um, while the, the white housewives, like for instance, the Real Housewives of Beverly Hills, and I mean the White Housewives shows, the Real Housewives of Beverly Hills, the Real Housewives of OC, may have put the genre on the map generally. The Housewives the show primarily featuring women of color, which is the Real Housewives of Atlanta, is what made it a global phenomenon. So I don't, you know, I don't subscribe to some of the others, you know, everybody's just always on the Real Housewives of Atlanta, like, no, the Real Housewives of Atlanta put it on the map. No, it didn't. Uh, the, the shows were doing fine without us. They just went to the next level with us. Right. Um, and, and I think that that's something people, you know, kind of whatever, but given that it went to the next level and made mega stars out of people like Nene, I think that some of the gripes that people have are warranted. That being said, and, and I, I say all that as a preamble to the fact that how Bravo and Andy Cohen may feel about Nene in particular in light of how she left and attempted to burn it all down in the process, um, especially if some of her allegations had been taken more seriously and the impact that could have had on the entire network and 
all of the housewife shows I can't say that I'm mad at him for saying you wanted the bridge burned, consider it burned. Um, and let's Missy, just say, I don't think she, I don't think she has a lot to add anymore. I don't either. It, and that's the other piece aside from, well, let me tell you what Andy says. So, you, so Andy Cohen has a podcast and um, so needless to say, what else are people going to talk to him about other than ask him questions about the housewives, especially when they do such a prolific job of constantly staying in the news? So needless to say, people immediately ran to him with this Nene thing because, I mean, she is one of the biggest stars to come out of the franchise. And she said it on like a nationally syndicated talk show. This wasn't like some little blog crap. And um, he basically said, which again, I thought he, I thought he handled it tactfully, but decisively when he said, um, more or less, he's, I'm paraphrasing here. He said uh, he made clear that he did reach out to Nene when Greg died, because who didn't? I mean, everybody loved Greg, right? So he made clear that he reached out to her and that as far as, you know, them having a moment of peace and love and light as it related to that situation, they were in a good place. But then he went a step further and said, as far as anything else, I, uh, Nene, uh, I think Nene would prefer for me to keep her name out of my mouth. And that's what I intend to continue to do. I said, well, okay. now what does that say to you? You know, don't call us, we'll call you type thing. <laughs> right. I, I thought it was tactful, but it was it it was it was what it was. I agree with you, nothing to add. Uh we've gone down this road before talking about the fact that these shows, um, particularly Atlanta, OC, all of them are long in the tooth and the ratings reflect that the same behavior on the show is not something that the women who started out watching the show like us 10 years ago who are literally in the same age range as some of the ogs um are interested in continuing to see over and over again because it feels like we've grown and they haven't um yeah. and so it gets old and 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 just in point of fact, like every show at a certain point jumps to shark. I don't care how many years you're on. I mean, even with Law and Order, and I love Law and Order, but Dick Wolf knew that in order to keep that show on, he had to go in a different direction. Yes, it is a weekly serial, but what he had to do, um, first of all, standalone episodes most of the time. And secondly, shift into that whole like ripped from the headlines thing as often as possible because that keeps it it keeps it fresh because of the fact that we're seeing like almost reenactments but with people we like engaging in the cases that we hear about and of course when in even in real life when you hear about cases it is kind of cool to engage in a well-written what if with characters you're familiar with. Let me um, also say this. I will also say this. I think that that girls trip, that Real Housewives girls trip, 
is a game changer. Oh, absolutely. I mean, people are loving it. You and I kind of side-eyed it, but people are freaking loving that show. It's cheaper to make, and it's Mm -hmm. more concentrated drama, and it's just... It's it's just more controlled. So I think we're going to see more limited series in a controlled environment like that. Like, And it makes sense, especially from a financial standpoint, because having you can't do the full on housewives in the way that it's become known without a full cast. If you have people who've been on there for a certain amount of time just by the pure passage of time and if the show is doing reasonably well i mean of course that's all relative because the ratings are down on all of them but still your show is doing well comparatively speaking and if you're one of the ogs or someone like a candy who is not quite an og but when a show has been on for 14 years and you've been on 13 of them you're an og um, I mean, hell, at this point, Marlo's an OG. Um, but they, they paid those women so you for gotta pay them. Well, they paid those women for seven days. Oh, well, no, that's what I'm saying days. with what you're talking about with the limited series, and that's where I'm, I'm agreeing with you because with the full ensemble cast and crew and production at people's houses and what have you, it makes more sense to do the limited series thing. If you have, if you can put, continue to put the right combinations of women together, um, it's great. Plus, is a is a quick little money grab because they're not putting it, putting them on Bravo to compete with the Bravo programming. Now, what I suspect they're going to do, and I, I think I did see this somewhere, is once they run on Peacock, they are going to repeat on Bravo, but Peacock will get the first run of them, which makes sense because there are Bravo shows that they've done that with for years. Like the Real Housewives of Melbourne never, I mean, the Peacock didn't exist, but of course, when they started showing the Real Housewives of Melbourne, they were like five seasons in, in Australia. So it's my understanding that there is going to be that Peacock Bravo crossover, but that's really only for the purposes of reruns because obviously obviously Peacock is a streaming service. So, you know, people watch it over there, they watch them and then they're done. Because I know for me, I haven't watched it yet because I... Um, I knew that we weren't going to review it here. So I wasn't pressed for time in watching it. I just wanted episodes to build up so that I can binge it. So um, that that it has done. I mean, I think there's like four available. There are. um, Because I think they, when they released it, it was like the first two uh, initially, maybe even three. Like they didn't release like one. They started out with a couple. Now, speaking of that, the next one. Um, well, no, let's finish off real hot. So that this is hot off the presses, um, even hotter than the Nini stuff. Well, actually, another thing with Nini, hot off the presses, came out today. Uh, Nini's got a lot of employees complaining because her um, she's closing. I don't know if it's all of them, but she has more stores closing, more of the shag boutiques closing. I know the one here closed uh, a while ago, like 
um, the one at uh, MGM. And and I figured that was going to happen pandi- even with or without the pandemic, because that is just a high rent place to have a store, especially if it's not going to be like constantly shopped. I mean, they could have the um, Sarah Jessica Parker store there with her shoes because her shoes cost a couple hundred dollars. If they sell two pairs a day. They're good. So, um, yeah, so it's, it's, but this is the thing. It's not so much that the stores are closing. It's the fact that employees are complaining because NeNe's uh, people, um, probably her business manager, so I won't say NeNe, but, you know, ultimately it's you're in charge. Uh, her people did not contact um, or return the calls of employees and more importantly of unemployment. So of course, you know, given what we do, when something like that happens, it takes longer for people to file and I mean, to get their checks um, because they end up in the queue with everybody else who's filed for unemployment because there is a delay in verifying that you didn't quit your job but that you were actually laid off because the place is closing. So, yeah, so that's that's kind of crappy. Um, so that's the Dini news. Uh, now, Sheree, hot off the presses, this is the last <laughs> two to three days. This, this began, uh, I think this probably hit the news around Friday, but it's really blowing up now. So we know that Sheree is back. She is an actual peach holder again. This is what round three for her and part of her storyline, probably even all of her storyline was supposed to be her relationship with Tyrone, who is the gentleman that was in jail. He got out and he is in a halfway house in Pennsylvania, like in the Philly area, because remember he was from Philly. That was the whole thing. It's funny how they all end up in Philly. Remember Apollo was in Philly too. (laughs) So yeah. Yeah, but anyway, um, so apparently, and you know, this could be for the show, but either way, whether it's real or contrived for the show, it just shows the desperation and the desperate measures that folks would go, either just her or him and her together. But I think it's probably more her. So what they decided to do, especially since he's in a halfway house there, he obviously can't just be gallivanting gallivanting around here and there, you know, when you are in a situation like that, typically if, if his sentence required him to live in a halfway house, then that means he is, it's, it's basically along the lines of a work release situation as in go to work, go back to the halfway house, medically necessary travel, et cetera. Right. Is, is, has that been your experience with your, um, with your clients? Yeah. Because other than that, there would be no reason for them to be in a halfway house. They just come home. And so what she did was set up this whole thing and there's pictures out there because nowadays, again, unfortunately, because of social media and everybody's constantly watching, you see when they're filming. So there's pictures of her sitting like at this outdoor restaurant in Philadelphia. And what it's supposed to make it look like is that him and her were supposed to meet and he stood her up or something like that. Like there's this whole thing. Cause you know, of course there's always people in production who will, will leak stuff. So the problem is now 
as you can, as I'm sure you're already picking up what I'm putting down, part of the problem now is, and they said that him and her aren't speaking and he's pissed and whatever, and saying that that put his freedom in jeopardy because it gives the impression that he was planning to meet her and that he has been in some form or fashion because it obviously puts a microscope on him, right? So like that he was in some form or fashion acting outside of the terms of his probation if there's this whole thing with him supposedly filming a show and him participating in this whole contrived setup of will he, won't he, or whatever. It just, it's just not a good look. So... So the way that I understand that whole process works, unless he was working in that kitchen, as a lot of the people in these halfway houses, mm-hmm. a lot of them work. You get what you get. Uh, yeah, he he wasn't supposed to be just chilling there in the middle of the day like that. Like, yeah, and word on the street is that he was not and had no intention of doing so, but is still a bad look. Which, and I agree because I would have said this to my client. It's just a bad look to be participating in some contrived storyline that you were even going to possibly meet with her and what have you, because then it just looks like you're supposed to be in this halfway house, but you have just way too much stuff and like freedom and all of this going on that you're all wrapped up in this whole reality tv thing it's just a bad look so word on the street uh over the weekend is that they weren't that he wasn't speaking to her he wasn't taking her calls um which i suspect again would be a production leak because they would be the only ones who would know that she was trying to call him and he wasn't answering the phone and word out today is that they full on broke up again some i think that this is probably uh some some truth and you know how they say like two truths and a lie like did they break up entirely, break off ties, all of that? I doubt it because at the end of the day, unless he's got some stash or whatever somewhere, although you never know because his whole his whole background and his whole deal is fraud, um, <laughs> then he's not going to completely let her go. But I could, but I could believe that he may be salty with her because of this just being a a bad look to kind of put out there so i so i think it's it's kind of like a two truths and a lie thing if i will say this if they were really together and the relationship was real because again this is your race so we got to go back to step one if there was actually a real relationship to begin with because we don't have a good track record with this kind of stuff with charade anyway because this could be a fake Bob Whitfield situation just to give her a storyline to get back on the show. Right, right. But if Where we give her the, Yeah. <laughs> if if we give her the benefit of the doubt that it was that it's actually a real relationship, then I'm sure that there is still a relationship. But as it relates to him being on the show or whatever this contrived stuff is that they're that they tried to do that part of it 
may be over whenever somebody got a, after somebody got a hold of him and was like, this ain't uh, this ain't a good look, bro. Right. After his lawyer said, don't you want to be free? Exactly. Stop with the shenanigans. Because when you go to a halfway house of listeners, you, it's not for a super long time. Now, granted, there have certainly been situations where people have been in halfway houses. And I've certainly had clients who've done it for um, at least a year. But it's definitely not something that you get ordered to for years and years. If it's over, and, and Melissa, correct me if I'm wrong, if your sentence requires, would technically require you to be in a halfway house situation more than 10, 11, 12 months at the absolute longest, then they just keep you in jail. Because it's just a drain on resources because this a halfway house is supposed is literally what it's called halfway. It's supposed to be a transition between jail and home. Right, right, right. It's not a substitute for jail because even with um, even when it comes to work release, you can do work release from the jail. I've had many, many clients do it. It's the jail feels like it's a pain in the ass, but they do it. <laughs> Right. And, and the halfway house is just not like, you know, the real world house with people just playing around. Stay for whatever. Yeah. It is truly out. a That's transitional what... situation. It, it is very much to be the bridge between full on incarceration and going home. So you're working. If there's any services, they're making sure you're going to your drug treatment services, monitoring uh, your probation even more closely than it would be once you're going home. Because again, it's about that adjustment back into the community. So you can't be screwing around with that. That is why Apollo got snatched back up to jail so quickly because it, it, if you are if you can't obey the rules just in the little transition piece, you're out. Okay, nice. one more quick story since we brought up um, the Real Housewives uh, trip. Uh, of course, we know that one of the first things that went down, even if you don't watch the show, one of the first things that went down on the uh, what do they call it? Not a road trip. Um, girls trip. Girls Real Housewives girls trip is a situation between Ramona and Kenya, who she was right out. Ramona was right out the gate, ignorant, calling Kenya Portia. Um, that's that whole they don't see us thing. But it's Ramona. So it's very interesting that one that that was one of the first incidents that came up. And of course, uh, Kenya demolished her. So we didn't have to worry about that. She she realized who she was dealing with when Kenya was finished with her. But on uh, aside from that, some we did get a little bit more clarity. Uh, remember, in the last time we did a gossip chat, we talked about the whole Real Housewives of New York and, and why they did not have a reunion. Well, more details have come out on that. It's not just so much the whole thing. Remember we talked about the premiere party for the book and how they said Ramona, Luann, and Leah came and then when Ebony got there, they left. Well, now we know that what really, that may have happened, but the reason went deeper than just that. What the real deal was is that 
um, Ebony filed a uh, put in a complaint with HR, and so did a producer of color about Ramona's behavior. In fact, one of the comments that was attributed to Ramona is, "This is why we don't have blacks on this show." And I didn't know she said that. Oh, of course she, she did. I didn't know she said that. And there was an internal investigation and there's no word as to how that internal investigation came, uh, you know, that came out. But ultimately, that is why they did not have a reunion. And furthermore, there is talks about the possibility that if and when New York comes back, and I, and I think they will, I, I just... Like you can't have the housewives without New York, if for no other reason than the fact that New York City is just considered a premier city. Um, the question will be whether or not they have any of the OGs at all or an entirely new cast. So I don't think that it's a they want to throw the baby out with the bathwater and not have a New York franchise, if for no other reason than just the fact that it's New York. And you do get a whole different flavor when it comes to the rich women and going to the Hamptons and all of that stuff. Um, the question is who it will be. But even more interesting is that, the, it, it, which is why it's got people speculating that whatever they do, it would be a full on revamp, is that the other rumor is that if and when it happens, it will not be until 2023. Well, I have to say that Ebony Williams, I mean, she, the way she flipped this was pretty smart, I uh -huh. have to say. Yeah. I mean. I mean, were they ready like, for her on that show? Absolutely not. But flipping it to her favor, absolutely. She was, she was smart to do it. Yeah, I got to give that up. Yeah. Because had she not done it, and on top of that, having someone in production, and I wouldn't be surprised if it wasn't someone. I think it's more like a couple of people. Because Ramona is the type of offensive that she offends people of color and white people. So her behavior, her behavior at that Shabbat dinner was just so over the top. Exactly. Like she Insane. is now i'm not saying that uh there are not some uh you know tendencies with her as it relates to people of color i'm just saying that her behavior is not uh does not just offend people of color there is also an elitism that she has that um takes the whole waspy thing to a whole other level as well um which of course would be offensive to people who you would look at and say okay that's a white person where of course offensive to jewish people and anybody is you ramona acts as if her family came over on the mayflower and are listed on the social registry which we know did. neither of which exactly right that's why she tries so hard just the mere fact that she has such a close association with Trump tells you that she's not a part of the upper crust she really wishes she was because those people don't have anything to do with Trump. Therefore, they would have nothing to do with people who are so closely aligned with him. Yeah, but because she's not just a supporter. She sits on boards and stuff with them and everything. 
Yeah, and and that's probably another reason why Loki that that show isn't coming back right now. Because I I do think that a lot of entertainment is trying to figure out what to do and how crazy are things going to get. Well, and yeah. what their role is. I agree, and I also think um, and this would also be one of those other low-key uh, things, low-key, let's call a spade a spade. They also know that they, it, in order to keep controversy going, which sells, that they have to, or they don't have to, but they feel like, uh, especially the shadiest of producers, that they still want those types of characters on the show so the quest on on any show especially a reality show so the question is do you where do where do we want to take it do we give it some time so that we can keep Ramona or do we get somebody else who is like a Ramona light like because you know how because look at it this way they got rid of half the stat half the people on Vanderpump rules they got rid of Kelly Dodd but they still kept Ramona and so it's like, you know, and then threw a black person in there for her to deal with. So I think that there is still this element of want to have that lightning rod. But I agree with you. The question is, how big are we going to make that rod in terms of like, is it enough to keep people talking or could this shake the foundation and get our show shut down? And, and so I think that part of the discussion they're having is striking that balance. It's going to be a hard one to strike too, moving forward. It's going to be it is hard. Because yeah. we do know that at the end of the day, entertainment is, is voyeurism. And uh, a lot of this, especially when it comes to reality TV in particular, is about setting up, you know, this loosely scripted powder keg of situations. That is why the shows are always best in any show, right? Because even the cheapest shows like Love and Hip Hop and some of the other ones, even if they just go to a freaking ranch that only costs $20 a night, you get your best footage when they go on trips because you've got everybody trapped together. So there are certain formulas that they know that they need in, in order to get the footage that they want. Right. So, right. but anyway, you know, me and you going down a rabbit hole, we've gone five minutes over. So, okay. Zip it. We'll come back actually a little 10, but we'll be okay. Okay. I still think we did pretty good. <laughs> okay. Everybody now, the Real Housewives of Salt Lake City, season two, episode 11. Okay, so I called I called this episode Breadcrumbs, Dumb Decisions, and Mary. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness, Mary. Okay, so, and, and I know towards the end when we get to Mary, there's going to be stuff that you and I are going to agree on and then, then there's going to be stuff you and I are going to fight about because even when I was watching it, I said, oh, me and Missy going to go head to head on this one with Mary. Okay, because mm. <laughs> I know how you feel about people. <laughs> Ooh. 
<laughs> okay, but we'll get there. Okay, so we're going to start with breadcrumbs. Bread, and the reason why I'm saying breadcrumbs is you could probably already figure out we've got Lisa just a sprinkling, just a sprinkling. At least with Heather, um, it, I would say, okay, so we had the continuation of last week's dinner, right? Because now we've got folks just straight up drawing lawn, um, drawing lines in the sand saying, what are we going to do? Okay, you have... <laughs> And, and I didn't have, for the most part, until we get to Lisa, of course, I didn't have a problem with some of the questions being thrown out there. Whitney saying, what does everybody know so that we could put it all on the table because we could be in danger? Now, I know that people were like that was, oh, that's just her being a Karen. No, danger isn't necessarily physical danger, although you never know because you don't know what this person's into. You got Homeland Security NYPD. Um, yeah, that would have shaken FBI. me up a little bit. Absolutely. I've been around the block. A little, uh, 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 I've been around These the These mofos don't just show up every day and all together. Right. Any right. one of them separately is problematic and scary. And they had full outfits and guns ready for a potential shootout. We talked about that. And a, and a helicopter. And a helicopter. You know, this was a full show of force is if they were rolling up on like a drug lord. So you have, so, but even if you take it out of the physical danger realm, these are people of means. And not only are they people of means, but they're the type of people of means that, who who are the the smarter type that are kind of sketchy about letting you know exactly how much money they have so those types of and i don't necessarily mean sketchy as in into anything illegal i mean sketchy as in you ain't gotta know my business all you well girl you look good how how you and your husband doing don't worry about it just just know i look good and and I don't have an issue with that. I mean, remember on um Crazy Rich Asians, they they talked about the fact that nobody talks about money, but clearly they're like, you know, billionaires. Right, right. Well, these people aren't billionaires, but they're still that same kind of attitude. And I think that's probably endemic to some of the people in in that area, especially the ones who were born and bred there, like um, Whitney and Heather, because we know that the Mormon church, even the like shady ones living on the communes are extremely wealthy. They basically own the state from the top down. So, um, so yeah, the danger could be, this could disrupt what we got going on in terms of our lifestyle. Like, I don't, I'm not trying to get questioned by the police. I'm not trying to have my friends and neighbors seeing me associate with some certain types of people. Yeah, I'm on this show, but I can tell my friends and neighbors, this is all entertainment. I'm just getting an extra bag or whatever. But now we got some criminal shit going on. I can't be trying to explain that to folks. Right, right. It's the company you keep. Yeah. yeah. And and now, like the people who I already had to massage into continuing to do business with me because I'm bringing this extra notoriety of being on this show, 
now we got a whole other level of stuff? No, that's not cool. Um, Meredith, she runs a jewelry store. You and I know that, um, and criminals know, the best way to launder money is to do it through goods. Through you, you do it through goods. You buy things that are easily convertible to cash. And I, I, I also just think that, like, when you're doing stuff like going on group trips together and mm-hmm. in and out of each other's homes, um, there are exchanges that happen during friendship or whatever. Absolutely. That if that if the law becomes involved with that level of intensity, I'm going to be rethinking a lot of things. Well, exactly. I'm not even living my life shady. Exactly. And on top of it, like when you, you hit it on the head, I'm around this person. I don't know how long they've been watched, whatever, any little thing I've said or done now I'm concerned. Am I going to be subpoenaed? Are my phones being tapped? What? I mean, think about it. Like, um, you know, of course they didn't know it at the time, but we know from looking at the case and, uh, you know, just like we're talking about pinging her phone, there were search warrants that included her phone. So now, now, you know, when you were talking to her on the phone, hello, right? like you might've been telling somebody else's business. And you taking Ubers from my house and getting picked up by some random Yeah, it's just not cool. So when she talks about danger, there are many layers to that. So I totally understood what she meant and didn't take it in this, you know, very surface level. Like here is, you know, the little white woman worried that something's going to happen to her just because the FBI came. No, it, it is far deeper because when you have, when you have something to lose, then those are concerns. That's why in life you learn, don't be effing with people who don't have anything to lose. Because if you do, that ain't going to turn out well for you. Right, right, right. So um, so they're starting to get more into it. And then, folks, so the first person, like I said, I like that Whitney just put it online. What the heck do you know? Lisa, still with the BS, like with the, All well, the I may, I don't know what I know. Because, you know, I love doing my Lisa voice. And and I have a I have a, a bit of a cold, so I'm I my Lisa voice is the bomb right now. So <laughs> <laughs> um so going around the table, okay, so Meredith line in the sand. I'm not entirely mad at it. I think that a lot there's a lot of questions that some people may have about, well, it seemed like you forgave her when you all met met to sit down and talk to Brooks. In retrospect, I think that Meredith may have done that more so for Brooks because if Brooks was really truly bothered by it, then she may have just wanted him to have that personal apology for her that stuff was not gonna continue. But she knew in the back of her mind that she was not really going to F with her like that anymore, especially in light of the jewelry store. I think, I, I think what it was was Meredith was like, in light of the stuff with my family and light of the jewelry store incident, 
I ain't never truly going to mess with her, but we're on this show together. So I'll do what I have to do. And then once that, once the whole FBI stuff and all that stuff happened, she was like, it's a wrap. But you also have to back up because remember, she hired a whole mm-hmm. uh, private investigator. A whole private investigator. What, who, so, and who, what, who must not have been very good, okay, if she no. didn't get the full scoop at that time. Now, and, and see, this is the thing. I think what he got, which is why, and now even, because I've learned even more, I thought I had everything locked down. Um, but Stuart Smith, his plea helped because it, it revealed some additional stuff. I think that this, um, in light of the additional stuff that has come out, it makes more sense with Meredith just going, mm-hmm. Because while Meredith may not have known about the impending indictment because it was under seal, what I can't imagine, like you said, a a private investigator, if he was worth half of his license, what he would have found out is that Jen was investigated and fined by the FTC previously for messy uh, telemarketing practices. So... It, so it when you put that in light of what happened now, again, for Meredith, she's like, okay, yeah, she was just because you were investigated and paid some fines before, that doesn't necessarily mean you're doing stuff now, right? Because most normal people, if you get out of something and, and do whatever, then you fix it. You know, you could get a bar complaint for something that you legitimately did not deliberately do wrong. And they tell you, you got to fix your accounting practices or whatever. So none of this ever happens again. And you fix it and you follow the rules and it never happens again. But I think for Meredith, it was like the final nail in the coffin because she did have that report. So you got the family stuff, you got the theft stuff. You got what was in the report, which I'm sure included the FTC thing. Then the FBI shows up. She's done because she right. knows what the rest of them don't know, or or she may have told them, but not on camera. She knows which it's which. Of course, Jenny, I totally understand why she said, you know, guilty until proven innocent, because Jen doesn't know anything. Jenny, I mean, right. But Meredith, on the other hand, because chances are via her uh, via her PI report, she knows about the FTC situation because it's public knowledge. There would be no way a PI wouldn't have that in their report. The minute she heard that Jen was being picked up for fraud, she knew it was true. Right. And that's the part that's. And that's the part that she's not saying to the group, which is, I get that y'all don't know the truth, but because of the additional facts that I know, combined with the straight up theft from me personally, I know that this shit is true because she's already done it. All she did was, I don't know, think that she could do it better this time. But why is it so important so, for Meredith to to know what everybody else is doing with Jen? Like, if you don't mess with old girl, just don't mess with old girl. But why do you have to be at the table and say, like, what are we 
going to do or how well, are we going to handle it? Well, I think it's the freeze out, right? We we have seen this on other shows. We actually saw this on Married to Medicine is how they got rid of Mariah. Remember the what Andy Cohen said, the key thing, which, is, which we're going to come to later with Mary, because I think Mary's going to find herself in this position before Jen Shaw does, because even if nobody wants to have Jen Shaw, if, even if nobody wants Jen Shaw around, Bravo knows that's a cash cow following her through this trial and situation, Teresa Judice style, which means that if they got to film all her scenes by herself, Jen Shaw ain't going nowhere. She's the only person whose job is guaranteed. So um, Jen, the only way Jen Shaw doesn't come back to this show is if she doesn't want to come back. But her her seat, she is guaranteed her job just like Erica is. And I saw a picture of them filming today. And Erica Girardi is sitting right there at the table with everybody else. Um, but anywho, uh, I think that it's the freeze out um, that all every Andy has said before. If nobody wants to film with you, then that's that's pretty much the death knell for any person on the show. And so um, that's, I think that's where she is. She knows that they have to do things together. And honestly, I really remember Meredith isn't really pressed. She, she's not as overt in her disdain for some of these women the way that Lisa is because Lisa just has no tact or class, even though she thinks she does. So Meredith, but I don't think that Meredith really cares one way or the other about, like, I don't think she dislikes them, but I don't think she necessarily cares either. She's not as overtly nasty as Mary is. I just think she doesn't care one way or the other. And part of that may be because she's older than them, probably has her own set of friends, what have you. And so I say all that to say that I think that Meredith's little speech about if she's around, I'm not coming around, that wasn't meant for Heather, Whitney, Jenny, or Mary. That was meant for Lisa. Because who's the one who's okay. always trying to shove Jen down her throat? Right, right. Meredith doesn't do anything one-on-one -on -one with anybody else on that cast other than, I guess, sort of Mary, even though we haven't seen this great friendship they supposedly have. But Meredith doesn't do anything one-on-one -on -one with anybody else on that cast unless it is obviously contrived and scripted. They are not her friends. She's just more polite about it. Right. And I, I, and you know, I saw a turning point last season when they were in Las Vegas and mm -hmm. things took that left turn. And she just did the common sense thing, which was remove myself. I'm not like, yeah. I'm not going back in there. I just don't think she has the personality for that drama. And I completely identify because I don't have that personality either. And she's done that consistently. She did it at the uh, at the twenties uh, 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 with it, the prohibition party. Same thing. I think that was the first time we saw her use her phrase that everybody associates with her. I'm disengaging. Um, I think, if I recall correctly, that's the first time we saw her use it. I'm I'm disengaging. Right. Right. Um, yeah, so that's what she does, and and so that's why I think even though she said it to the group. 
and I and I mean, yes, it applies to the group, but I think the 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 person who that was really meant for was Lisa. Because she knows that Heather's gonna Heather. Right. And Whitney ain't getting together with Jen. Um, because think about it, Whitney's not getting together one on one with Jen either, unless you know Whitney's with Jen when everybody else is around. Jenny is not a factor with Jen because, admittedly, she just met her. Right. And she, at this point, which I don't have an issue with her position either, she's trying to remain neutral. I also don't have an issue with her initially trying, at least attempting to stick up for Lisa because that is the Lisa that they have had, that they have experienced is not the Lisa that she knows. The Lisa that she knows is the Lisa who's always like trying to kiss up to her because they've got kids relatively the same age and you know Jen has a little bit of money so of course that gives Lisa a minority friend with money <laughs> that's what they all need huh yeah uh, yes apparently that's what Lisa needs she seems to collect them you know you got her you got Cameron then she was sucking up to Barry then Jen <laughs> It seems yeah. to be her thing, like ornaments on a tree. Um, so mm-hmm. I, so I don't. I'm not knocking Jenny. I, in fact, I appreciated most of the things that Jenny said during the episode, and I even and I appreciated her even more towards the end of the episode when she saw Lisa in full form with all that double talking, and she was like, "Oh." now I see what they're saying and I thought that that was I I thought that that spoke well of her that she could actually be like okay she's my friend but I I see what they're saying now she on some bullshit the only ride or die in that entire group is Heather yes to her detriment to her detriment but she but isn't that always the case with ride or die does ride or die ever truly work out for anybody (laughs) I mean, when you think about it, like, ride or die is a term that pretty much came up under a negative umbrella in the first place because it's like this whole hood notion of holding a mofo down no matter what happens. You know, there's a shootout. That's my ride or die chick. She going, you know, stay in the car. You know, ride or die is like Lil' Kim going to jail after all that stuff with Diddy and them in New York. Now, how'd that work out for Kim? But she loves that gin juice or whatever is going on. Yeah, she, she does. Was- well, yeah. Well, no, she definitely does. I'm just saying that she's a she's a prime example of why ride or die is not good for anybody. No, no, it definitely isn't. No. You can love somebody, but you ain't gotta be ride or die. So yeah, but, but I, I I'm a ride, I ain't trying to die. <laughs> they took they took no time. They took no time and just like I don't know if I went out with girlfriends and one of my girlfriends got like mysteriously caught up in some crazy situation. <laughs> uh-huh. Like I wouldn't be sitting there at dinner like, 
we're not going to speak to her anymore. Like, I don't know. Well, I think that part of this is, this goes back to that piece, like you, and, and, and this is the critical difference. You went out with some friend, a friend, and she got caught up in like some shaky situation before that. Had you been look giving her the side eye at all about her business, her actions, the people she was rolling with? I mean, it just seems like even if because even that's if the difference, that's, they all even were. If all that is the case. Even if all that was the case, can you at least wait till breakfast? Like, I agree. And a, remember, let a day pass. Well, there's two fourth. Uh, there's two breaking the fourth wall issues that I'm I'm gonna do here. One, uh, there's hours and hours that we know this conversation was taking place, and and we're just seeing right. pieces of it cut off. Not to mention people having their own little side conversations as well, and trying to gather as much information as they could, talking to their husbands, talking to their personal real life friends who are home googling away um you know all of that stuff but also they're not real friends friends, right because that is the same day that's the same day no i I agree with you this is where it demonstrates they're not real friends that's the difference between heather and everybody else that's what makes heather stand out even more because really, Heather is pretty much only doing what a real friend would be trying to do under those circumstances, which is like, guys, we don't know. Yeah, there's some shady stuff, but we all overlooked it. So let's not all trip now. Right. Because right, that's right. that's the other piece, too. Right. We all like unless we're talking about something crazy, like, you know, molesting somebody or something like that. And no but, one has spoken to her. No one has yes. spoken to her at that point. No one. Yeah, I think so the only are- person that I'm riding with on this is Meredith because we know that she has known more leading up to this and the raid was pretty much just the confirmation of a whole bunch of stuff that was already swirling and that she had probably already discussed with her husband and her real best friends. Right. Jenny, of course, was cool. If piling on was a group of women, they would be it. I mean, Oh, absolutely. But I also think when you really break the group down, it really wasn't, it was really only a couple of people is just that they were very vocal. Um, Because you know, Meredith was very like, this is the way I'm rolling, period, which was a very definitive moment. That was, you know, that was pretty like mic drop when she did that. Um, Mm -hmm. Jenny really was very much innocent till proven guilty. I don't even know her to have an opinion. Heather was ride or die. Whitney was just like, give me the tea. (laughs) <laughs> and I ain't mad because right. that would be me. Right. Um, right. So this really was, again, the Lisa show. And because Lisa's got to be so much the center of attention between the mic drop moment with Meredith, who is viewed as the matriarch of the group, and the Lisa show 
I think it kind of did make it look like everybody was throwing the baby out with the bathwater. But technically, it was only the two of them. Oh, and Mary. Notice she's always an add-on, and Mary. Um, did we expect any different from Mary? I didn't expect Mary to pray for her. Mary is the very definition of, of you know, vengeful God, fire and brimstone, whatever. She don't. It don't matter who she praying to because if she don't like you, she don't like you. Just like any mofo on the street ain't gonna pee on you if you on fire. Don't care. She could be wearing her minister's collar and have a Bible in her hand, and she gonna walk right by you. Well, Mary I, I is. Appreciate, I appreciate that about Mary. Mary, Mary is, is that old school, which is actually kind of disturbing, but you know that's what kind of makes her kind of culty. Is that Mary is that kind that preaches from the Old Testament instead of the New Testament? Right. There is right. no like Jesus's love, love thy neighbor, forgiveness. Da da da. da. Mary is on yeah, the other she, side, she jealous, vengeful God take you down, yeah. you know, do on to others. she holds a grudge. She holds a grudge. Yeah, she, Mary is throwing stones. She's, yeah, she's smiting people. She's turning people to pillars of salt. That's Mary. <laughs> and she's like, bitch, I said you smelled like hospital. And I don't care. That's, yeah. That's who. <laughs> And and I'm surprised that even last night when she said, I don't like her, I never liked her, I thought she was this <laughs> or that, and she still smells like hospital. If she had put that, see, that's why you know Mary's not very bright. Because if Mary was bright and understood how this game worked, and she wanted to truly have a moment that would live in housewives history, the end of that sentence would have been like, I remember, I don't like her. I don't F with her. Da, 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 and she still smells like hospital. That would have been like, literally, she could have sold T-shirts. That would have been up there with, uh, I'm, you know, non-MF and factor from Evelyn Lozada. And I said what I said from Nene. Well, let me tell you something else. She does have a, a moment. Um, she does go down in the annals of reality TV show history because well, her wigs girl, definitely do. But when she woke up that morning, looking like a crackhead <laughs> with her braid, with her braid down, yes, Lord, scarf around it. I was just really like, this is like for real. This is that's real. Doing? That's real. Oh my goodness. Because how many years of Atlanta have we seen? Now we know we'd never see any of them do that on um Potomac. We've got a we we got a couple of bonnet moments from uh Candace, but for the most part when we look to potential like you know real us moments, we look to Atlanta for that. And right. even on Atlanta, we have seen now we've seen some bad wigs and and, you know, Nene has worn most of them. But we but it wasn't deliberate like she thought she was looking good. But have we ever seen them truly candid like this? Hell no. I mean, remember last no. week when she got to the house, she looked like she had a full on like 
freezer burn on the whole bottom of her face. And I get it. She probably did not wear any makeup on the plane, especially because she had to wear a mask and all of that. Cause I did that when I traveled a couple of weeks ago, but let me tell you what, and I was meeting girlfriends when I got off the plane I went in the bathroom and put on my face and then I went out and got my Uber. And in her case, she knows she's filming. She's in a car being driven by somebody else and didn't put on a face. I was stunned. I would have kept my mask on if it was all like that. It was, I don't know what's going on. Now we also know she's got all the jacked up stuff done to her face. I mean, we talked about that before. Like the skin the skin issue, I don't know if it's the bleaching or whatever. That looked crazy. Then the little, it's like a scar or something happened. where the Yeah, there's all kinds of stuff. Yeah. And, then, and then it was just sort of like, but girl, you can see where they left the, the starter braid for when it's time for her to take her cornrows out. It was a mess. The wig. It was a and mess. I, I mean, my mouth is just open. And I know these white women were like, what in the, what? But hey, they made her an egg. They did. Now, there's a couple of moments. And that part was ridiculous. Like, you're just going to accuse the woman of not washing her hands and whatever. Like, she used her hands to make your darn egg, Mary. Like, she's just unnecessarily nasty. But there's a couple of things just going through the episode, some notes I took. Some of the best lines, um, Whitney had them. And I wrote them down because they were fun. One, can you get a DUI on a dog sled was one of my favorites. <laughs> and the next one, I can control these dogs better than the bitches back home. That's funny. And then Lisa had a good one, even though I'm not a fan of her personally, where she said, digging for dirt in Balenciaga shirts. <laughs> um. Now this next part, Cause you know, the dog sledding stuff to me was just some good lines, but it was, you know, cute when they went ice skating, who the hell told them to put on those outfits. And of course for Lisa it's always an opportunity for her to try to show off when she says, Nancy Kerrigan has nothing on me and Meredith, who you can tell is already getting tired of her because it came to a head at dinner when Nancy right. said, well, I'm going to call Tanya Harding. <laughs> I mean, the whole thing was ridiculous. They look so I ridiculous mean, in those suits. This, although, interestingly enough, this was one of the one times, and I mean, literally, it seems like the only time when I ever like what Mary is wearing is when they do snow stuff, which you know that she hates. Because I guess because she's just got to get like a really cute snowsuit, and you know, she probably goes and spends a lot of money on it. And she can't like zhuzh it up with all the jacked up jewelry and shoes and her and her wigs got to be covered or whatever. Because I liked her in black. And, and I mean, and even the other times when they've done snow stuff, you know, she's got a little figure. She, she's always cute, but it's because she can't do all the other crap and put but all it's the- like weird because why is every show like, an assignment to dress up or like a theme night, like a, like a, in a low class resort. Like, well, I think they all kind of do it in their own way on the different shows. I just think that because, um, because in the other shows, when they go different places, it's the scenery like completely changes. You get it more. 
when they have a theme night, like when they go someplace, you know, and it's still like warm out and they decide to have a goddess day. It makes sense. Um, but nobody's wearing full on costumes unless well, it's Halloween. I well, mean, I mean, wearing... when they did, when they did the, do the goddess parties, it's, it's somewhat costumey. I think the issue with Salt Lake City is everything they do and everywhere they go, it all, unless they go far away, which of course they're filming during COVID. So, you know, they're kind of sort of regional. Everything looks the same. So the only way they come up with themes is like basing it on like something. In this case, they based it on like, I guess, Heather's background or the background of Colorado. Now, don't get me wrong. Of all of the themes that we have ever seen, I probably liked this one the least. I mean, literally across the board, other than when, you know, they do full on costume parties in, on the different shows and you either like the costume or you don't like the costume. But this one, I liked the least. Now, I will say in fairness to them that it was very, very, very caucasoid yes but i would have had to leave and look mary, mary but again in fairness that. to them it's where they are and mary's attitude notwithstanding i it could have just i, I don't even think they made an issue out of it other than the food being reflective of that, by the way, whatever I, I gotta watch that again because that whole deal with the cheese and the thing and the melting and the meat and what uh, we gotta do that. Melting you know, pot, just go to melting pot. Well, no, but it wasn't even just like melting pot. They had the thing and it was hot, and then you put the, you slide the cheese in underneath, and it's it's like a whole thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it's extra, but I just thought it was cool because, you know, the iron thing and you're like practically cooking it while you're eating it. And it's, I, I just thought that was cool. <laughs> uh, minus the, the Yodelehu outfit. That was a lot. Um, I get the whole Heidi thing. I get this celebration of their of that culture. It just would have been a whole lot for us. Mary lives in Utah. She's been, but see what we are noticing with Mary and um, just zeroing on that in particular, because I do want to go back to the scene on the van, because I think it this was very telling with that conversation about Lisa. And I, again, I just really like the way Jenny na navigated that um, and I don't think it was terribly bad, but, I, you know, we'll come back to it. But I think one of the things that this scene and even how Mary behaved through the rest of the episode highlighted something that I've known about her and felt about her from the very beginning, um, uh, certainly as, as she continued to enter. Well, really more so once you saw her interact with them more is that. And, and I think you and I talked about this before. Mary has a tremendous superiority complex in that not only does she like really not like any of these women, but she all part of her not liking them is because she thinks that she is better than them. 
that she is yeah. above them and whatever. So she very much has this high handed way of dealing with them, which is even more off putting for me watching it. Um, and, and some of the stuff she does is funny. Don't get me wrong. I mean, she makes good TV, but this part of it, cause this is different from those moments that we like when she's being, you know, when she is funny and doesn't even know why. This right. this part of it of, of her is not funny because what makes it even more off-putting to watch is that she has this high-handed attitude when she is the least educated, the least yeah. articulate. Clearly, you could tell like that Mary has probably never left the continental United States. And if she did, she may have gone to Jamaica, but I doubt it because she wouldn't like the sun on her skin. Right, um, on right. her skin. Um, she's not the most sophisticated. There's know. nothing about is. her that reads sophisticated. And and that's why she tries to do it with the clothes and, and the, the name brands. But even within those brands, she's not even buying the right stuff um, right. that would make it more like whatever. Like, okay, so you've got like 50 Chanel necklaces on with like a Gucci crossbody um uh uh you know uh whatever what was that a versace dress with tights <laughs> boots and a lopsided wig with something hanging out the front that looks like it's one of those tyler perry microphones from the stage place i mean it's so it's it's very off-putting to watch and her being like this, she's going to mess up her own bag if she keeps treating these ladies like this, because at a certain point, they're not going to want to film with her. And I think that given the fact that this show does have other women of color on it, Bravo is, uh, is not going to be held hostage by someone who doesn't gel with the cast and the cast is over it with dealing with her. Because I hate to say it, other than her being a person of color, she's getting to the point where it's like, really, is this is how interesting is this going to be? And then you've got that whole church stuff coming in. And because of the way it was explained, I think a lot of people really don't get what really went on there, which I'll come to when we get towards the end, because that was one of the last things that was said, and we know that it's going to go deeper in the next episode. But I really think that she needs to watch her step with the way that she is, um, that she's rolling, because she is making herself the outsider in this. This isn't a, one of those situations where people are pushing you out you're pushing yourself out. We're seeing folks begging you to talk to you and you're like, all right, whatever. You know, but I, I got Meredith. Like you just saw Meredith to drop you like a bad habit, but okay. Let Meredith, right now, Meredith is running around saying crazy stuff, supporting Mary, but she gonna look real stupid in a minute because Meredith looked real dumb on Watch What Happens saying the ignorant ish that she said about that dude Cameron that Mary told her. Because remember, we looked right, up right. how, you know, he was deceased. Meredith basically repeated this mess that Mary said and said, well, uh, from what I understand, he made those comments when um, 
he basically that when he wasn't in his right mind. So basically, yes, basically using his illness against him. And Lisa said on Twitter, that's not true, blah, 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 blah. And so then Mary goes up against Lisa and you know, she the last one that should tweet. And right. is basically saying, so now they're trying to make it seem like this guy was not in his right mind when we know that, you know, that's even less cool when you consider that um, his cause of death was uh, brain cancer, which has nothing to do with whether or not he was in his right mind. Right. And it's just such a shame that like Mary, she seems miserable, like she doesn't want to be there. She should have just stayed her ass at home. But see, well, but she can't because Last season, Mary got away with not being, with being a full, what do they hold? Snowflakes. Snowflake holding cast member because the fact that she wasn't there for a lot was not her fault based on what I understand went on behind the scenes, which is that initially, because there were two different production companies, there the initial production company had Mary more so as a friend. When the second production company took over, which is who they have now, um, like maybe midway or three quarters of the way through them shooting, they upgraded Mary to full character. So that uh, would account for why she was not there for a lot of the stuff. And it was con- it was fairly obvious that those were pickup scenes when you would see them call her on the phone and talk to her about like, for instance, what happened in Vegas and stuff like that. Right. Um, right. I think that you and I's assessment uh, when we talked about Mary the last time is on target, which is that Mary, uh, this, this is about a bag for Mary to transition out of her current situation, especially given that, her son is, if he's not of age, he he's coming up on that because he was like a junior or something like that in high school when they filmed the first season and that was being filmed in like 20, uh, 2018, 2019. So her son, if he's not out the house completely, he's transitioning out of the house if he, if he goes to college. So this would be a perfect time for her to make her transition and this show provides her the bag because as we know now, despite the lies that she told, there was no will, which mean which is uh which is the real reason that the family doesn't get along, not that her mother wanted Robert, and that that meant that everything belonged to Robert, who had been with the grandmother for twenty two years. That's why they accused him of killing her <laughs> and had the body exhumed and all of that. And, um, and let's call spade a spade. That's why Mary and her husband decided they would pull the okie doke, move in with him. And then the husband ended up the odd man out because she divorced him and married granddad. So unless there has been some creative shifting stuff to Mary's name, which she just doesn't seem smart enough to have made sure that was done. Um, you know, this, this is a bag that Mary needs to get because most of her lifestyle while financed by the church would have still been under Robert's umbrella. 
And even the thing with the mortgages for all the people who are like, well, if he gave her, you know, gave her three, three gave the church $300,000 from his mortgage, well, he was the idiot or whatever. It's not, that's not quite how it went. Mama Redmond, who's the grandmother who was married to Robert, had a bunch of businesses all over town. We talked about that before, right? So one of the businesses, I don't know if this is one of the ones that was up and running while she was alive, but subsequent to her death, um, one of the businesses that was supposedly being run like through the church was mortgages. And so that's what that case was about. The one that I was telling you where Mary's mother sued and won. It went all the way to the Utah Supreme Court. Um, sued and won a, a huge million dollar judgment against Robert for squandering the estate. And part of that was all tied into this whole mortgage scheme situation with, um, it even had a name because it, you know, the lawsuit wasn't just against Robert, it was against Robert, the church administrator who was a part of the whole mortgage company situation and the mortgage company so it wasn't as cut and dry as you know okay you need money i'm gonna go and i'm gonna take three hundred thousand dollars out of my house and give it to you it was more so that people in the church were like doing their mortgages or probably refis or whatever and then taking out a second and that's where that whole money exchange came from and remember the church members who went on reddit Remember, they talked about the mortgage stuff a year ago when on in season one. Remember that? Right, right. I mean, it's just a sad situation because. And that's also what makes it culty because isn't that what cults do? You know, people start emptying their bank accounts and all of that. But can I just tell you that all of the weird and awkward and unpleasant behavior that Mary has ex exhibited, right? This is gonna be the thing that you choose to be like, nah, girl. You know, and and again, I think it goes back to what we talked about um, in the beginning of this, where it's like you can be as weird and awkward and quirky, and in the case of Jen Shaw, you can be freaking out on us in public and all that kind of stuff. But once we find out some stuff that might have the cops knocking on people's doors or, or people's doors or, you know, looking at uh, you sideways about whether or not you're stealing and whatever, that's when we're going to take a step away because, again, it's that whole reflection on you. When she's being quirky and whatever, it's like, oh, that's just Mary. And remember, she's like the black friend, right? So they're like... Oh, look at her black friend with the weird little quirks and the wig. Isn't that so cool? And she wears Versace layered with Balenciaga, layered with Chanel, layered with, uh, you know, duck boots. And, you know, so, and an Italian flag. like <laughs> And dollar store furniture. And dollar, dollar store furniture. furniture. Yeah. So, okay. So I, I wanted to... so. This, because the stuff that they talked about in the van, um, I think we kind, even though we didn't talk about it specifically, I think we all know that that still led up to the big moment where Meredith really laid into Lisa, um, which I think was 
one of the first times we saw her do that. We saw her get kind of frustrated with Lisa before as it related to Jen. But this time we saw Meredith get aggravated with Lisa as it relates to Lisa. And that combined with what's going on in real time on Twitter, this is going to make for an interesting reunion as it relates to Meredith and Lisa. Because I think Lisa is going to come into this reunion with no allies. Now, she really didn't have any last year, but because no, Meredith... Well, I think... But see, the difference with last year, no, she didn't have... Any Meredith was no help to her because Meredith already was upset about her own stuff with Jen and Brooks. So Meredith is kind of she's because she clearly doesn't like drama. She's kind of one track. She's upset about her situation. So she's not going to get involved in your situation. But at the end of the day, I think Lisa could still feel like Meredith was her friend and had her back. And there was a couple of times where Meredith was like, no, you know, whatever. She wasn't vociferous about it, but she, she sort of had her back. I don't think Meredith is going to have her back at all. This, um, this reunion. I don't think that, I think that Meredith is the type that, Unlike Lisa, she's not going to necessarily call her out publicly, but I think that friendship is over. I think that it is sad because your friendship is basically over, over a bitch who is going to jail. I think that the Mary thing has pissed, it has made Meredith more aggravated. And of course, all of that dancing around crap that Lisa was doing, you know, they were all drinking. So that was probably just getting on Meredith's nerves generally. Nobody likes being part of a setup, especially one that was so obvious. Well, exactly. And not only that, but now you're playing in my face with the, with the breadcrumbs. That's what I was talking about with the breadcrumbs. Now you're playing in my face with the breadcrumbs. Now, girlfriend, if you want to give me the wink and say, I'm going to tell you, friend, I just don't want to do it in front of the rest of these heifers because I ain't friends with them like I'm friends with you. That's one thing. But I think Meredith was probably aggravated because there was ample time for Lisa to have had that private conversation with her. And then it's like, girlfriend, if me and you had already had the conversation and you told me all the tea, I would be able to have your back with us swatting down these other heifers and be like, mind your business. I can't do that because you're talking to me crazy, too. Yeah, it's a bad situation. It's a bad situation. It's a bad. I think that Meredith is, if she's not done with Lisa, I think, especially given what's going on in Twitter, by on Twitter, by the time they get to the reunion, she's gonna be because she was already halfway there with the with the Jen friendship. So this just, I think that this just finishes finishes it off because Meredith is anti drama. You set her up. Then you won't even tell her what you know, but I'm supposed to be your girl. You would rather set me up on camera and I still don't even understand what's going on. If you think that I'm in danger or there's, you know, Mary is crazy and Mary is this and Mary is that, and I'm supposed to be your girl. Why wouldn't you just tell me? Right. Forget these right. other hoes. Why wouldn't you tell me? We already know and that we're, you don't really in like Heather. Houses. We already houses. know that you don't like Heather and and Whitney, you know, and and you just the, the, tolerating them for a check. 
okay, you and Jenny, I mean, whatever relationship y'all have, it was probably around your children. And, and then you brought her uh, to the show and what have you. And, you know, whatever y'all talk about is whatever y'all talk about. But as far as me and you, we're supposed to be girls. Mm -hmm. I'm big sis, remember? And you sitting here watching me get close to this chick and go, you, she and Mary are very close. And, and you know, I'm walking around dealing with somebody that you think is a cult leader that is stealing from their members and all kinds of bullshit. And you ain't going to tell me because you're supposedly friends with this dude that I've never even heard of. First of all, if, if we're supposed to be, if you, if, if, me and you are supposed to be tight like sisters and this is somebody that you're cool with why have i never met them your friends you're you're so tight with this random black dude he's giving you all this tea right on somebody That's in our friend group that tea that you knew for a long time because allegedly you met him before you even met mary but it's so weird to even have this event. He's the only black guy there and he's making the rounds and he's just talking about Mary. That alone is just so... Well, because it was a know. setup. It, I mean, it was yeah. just a, it was a plain and simple setup. Hair me, Cameron. And then you walk away. Cameron knows Mary. Yeah, it's, it's just whack. Um, and Cameron it was a, has a story, but yeah, he, he has to... And then he it. didn't even want to tell it. Like, it's, it's just right. a whole thing. So, um, again, Jenny is like, uh, she, uh, Jenny agrees with them about the fact that, uh, Lisa doesn't want to be wrong about anything. Um, they feel that is a security, uh, superiority complex. Jenny, of course, is not going to say that about Lisa, but I personally, I put in my notes, I think it goes deeper than that. It has more to do with potential business dealings because, what from what we've seen of Lisa, Lisa comes off as a bit of an opportunist when it comes to, you know, being around people in the know and the whole business thing. And I think that that was part of why she tried to cozy up to Jen in the first place. And that may be part of the problem and why she so freaked out and all the attorneys and whatever, because she may have dipped her toe into some business dealings with Jen, nothing shady, but if someone's doing shady stuff and you did business with them, there's still potential splashback on you. Right. Right. Well, and we'll see how that plays out. We'll see how that plays out. And finally, because we've done breadcrumbs, We've done Mary and now bad decisions. I mean, this falls in <laughs> our um, wheelhouse. Jen Shaw going to see her attorney on camera <laughs> and having an actual discussion that went beyond, hi, how you doing? <laughs> now, in fairness... We know that this person may have assisted her during her arraignment, but probably didn't even represent her beyond the day that they filmed because she initially hired a, um, a big money white shoe law firm out of D.C. And then as of midsummer, clearly could no longer afford it. 
and now she's being represented by I forget the woman's name, but she's being represented by um, a, a smaller practitioner. And, and no shade in it. I'm just saying she's not with the big, you know, eight hundred dollars an hour firm anymore. Um, so, it, but it's still dangerous because, as far as I'm concerned, you have that conversation on camera there are tremendous questions although i don't think it's really that big of a question about whether or not you waived privilege the minute you talked about anything other than what time it was yeah yeah but i mean I while they that guy uh -huh. i mean huh? he, he smiled he smiled that guy smiled the entire conversation well, yeah, but he also, remember, people have little quirks when they're not used to being on camera as well. Yeah, but he, he thought it was crazy, too. I mean, he, um, she definitely thought it was crazy. And unless they only showed that Kim Kardashian thing just for effect, there was, um, I think, well, this is the thing. Do I think the entire thing was contrived? Hello? Jonda? Okay, you still okay. there? Yes. Yeah, I'm here. Oh, sorry about that. Did you hear me the whole time? I made a mistake. No, no, I okay. can't hear you. Everybody, for those of you who there was a little um, <laughs> technical issue, I'll mention this in the notes. I was clicking to bring my screen back up and um, closed it out because, you know, you just never know where that darn mouse is hovering. So anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I won't take offense. I won't take offense. <laughs> Well, no, I was worried that I'd shut down the show entirely. So thank goodness for Podbean. Once I got the, I mean, it, I closed it completely out. But when I opened it, it was still listing live. So, you know, yay, Podbean. <laughs> Giving you a free yeah. ad right there. Good job. Yeah. <laughs> so anywho, um, there's no question that whole scene was contrived. So hopefully that is literally all that that person was used for was for that scene because i also would find it hard to believe that uh she would have a meeting of that magnitude without um without another uh person there particularly her husband especially given that he's a legal professional as well and this affects him and uh this affects him and the children um and the fact that we know that she had an FTC violation previously, to me, solidifies even more what I've all what I've been saying the entire time, which is that I have a hard time believing that uh, her husband, knowing what he knows, uh, just by virtue of what he does for a living, or at least did at one time. And now, and knowing that she had a previous violation in this same arena um, about uh, telemarketing practices and advertising, that um, he was completely clueless. Maybe not knowing she had gone down the legal route again, but I would just say, God bless him that he's not sitting right next to her. I'll, I'll put it that way. Well, he was too busy coaching. 
And there you go. Um, She also has said a lot of stuff, even this season alone. It's like, you know, talking about I work so hard for everybody and, you know, and being on stewing them about making her money and whatever. I'm like, oh, my gosh. Okay, so everybody, we've got some stuff on this case. So Stu Chains officially entered his plea. This is no longer a situation like we discussed before where his attorney gave notice to the court. Remember, we talked about that last episode. Right. Where his attorney gave notice to the court that he was working out a deal. Of course, what we told everyone that it was absolutely correct. Um, is there exact sentencing? No, of course, they they aren't going to do that. What is going to happen is he's going to enter his plea. And then if or when he testifies and he's asked whether or not a deal was made, he'll be able to say that, no, there was no specific deal. He's hoping that because of his cooperation that he'll get some sentencing consideration. But of course, it's up to the court. Blah, blah, blah. Standard stuff. Um, we've done it, right? <laughs> like we know that's how right, it works. Right. So what's what did Stu plead for and his impact on Jid? Plead to. Their original charges, because they were linked to the case that was again these dominoes falling with the other co-defendants. Um, the original charges, because he had the same as hers, is conspiracy to commit telemarketing fraud and um conspiracy uh as it relates to money laundering, although I think Jen's might've just been money laundering. And then of course the enhancement because of the, um, because of the ages of the victims. Well, and this is why we know that Stu definitely gave up some, gave up the goods and some um, additional information. Stu entered a plea to those, to those two charges. And of course the enhancement is there plus an additional charge relating to obstructing a federal investigation because of his alleged lies on behalf of for who his boss jen shaw and she's done so much for him yes she's done so much for him which is great because then he could say well you know look at the show i mean i worked for her Yes, I'm in this category with her because I work closely with her, but she's the big kahuna around here, not me. She's the one saying that she's doing this for everybody. She works right. so hard for everybody else. Right. You saw her say it, right? Uh, over and over. And so, well, and, and he'll be saying that his attorney will say that to the court when it's time for his sentencing. So this is not looking good. And she is, when she said on the show, the only thing I'm guilty of is caying too much about people. That what she said. That is exactly what, 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 what she, she said. Say? That's exactly what she said. I of caring too much about people. Um, I I don't even know what to say to that. I mean, it's. <laughs> <laughs> like it's what do you say to that I, um, that's I, somebody who thinks th- that they are spinning something but... I agree because I don't I think that this whole narrative that she is delusional she's stupid she's this and that now let's be clear 
is how she's handling this case, does that appear to be the act of a delusional person? Yes. But it also, I'm looking at it totally different because given what we know about her, she's not stupid. She's been in the game for a long time. What we're seeing with Jin Shaw is the act of some, the behavior of someone who thinks that they've got it all figured out and that they're smarter than everybody else. Right, right, right. Just like we've said about her before, there's crazy and then there's crazy like a fox. Jen is not crazy. Jen plays crazy on TV. Well, she's about to find out. Oh, she's about to find out what real crazy looks like when she gets sentenced. Yeah, yeah. Because if other people are pleading and getting five years, what do you think you're going to get? We had to chase you the longest. And again, second paragraph on that Department of Judgment announced a Department of Justice announcement mentions her behavior in flaunting her wealth on this show, which means that they are that that bothers the prosecution. It's not just what you did, but the fact that we are watching you straight up play in our faces. That is going to be talked about at sentencing. Well, that's going to be a real interesting sentencing. I know, doesn't it? I wish, you know, we got to watch for when it is because we may have to do a field trip to the Southern District of New York because it's not going to be televised. So the only way we see it live is if we go in. Yeah. One of us has got to get in there. (laughs) But she's going to get serious time, though. Oh, yeah. And I mean, and now that Stu Chains has has decided he's going to be enter a Stu Mazing plea. (laughs) Since we're Shaw Mazing, I guess he's Stu Mazing. Um, Yeah, it's it's very interesting. But yes, I, I think that Jen is suffering from a bad case of I think I'm the smartest person in the room. And uh, which, again, undermines this whole notion that she's just some dumb woman on uh, on a reality show acting against her best interest because she doesn't know any better. But she's acting against her best interest because she's arrogant and she thinks that she has all of this handled, even if nobody believed and and for everybody who's listening do understand i get that people are innocent until proven guilty and i i've been a defense attorney basically my entire career so i get that i embrace that have no issue with that although if i'm biased i have no issue with also announcing to the audience where my biases lie in this particular situation just in knowing what we know We just don't think that she's innocent. And even if she was, that she's, you know, her goose is cooked. Yeah, it's not even really about innocence or guilt. It's just about what happens next and what the signs are pointing to. And I say that to people all the time. Yeah. Anybody who's listened to this podcast before, when I talk about the law and I talk about my representation of clients, I say I got two kinds of clients. The what happened client 
or the so what happens next client. Jen is the so what happens next client. We're, we're not going to court to fight about what happened and who, you know, and whether or not there's a chance that it, this is going to go one way or the other. Plus, you take into account, and they will, the fact that she has had, she hasn't had a previous um, conviction, but she has had a previous run-in with the Federal Trade Commission as it relates right. to her practices, so right. not only as far as the prosecution is concerned, not only did she not course correct, but she decided to try to be slick. Right, right. You know, I used to work at the FTC in that oh. division. Well, yeah. and well, there you go. So, so you know, <laughs> and it's it's not it's a good funny. look. No, most no. people would just get out of that business altogether <laughs> because like, girl, you're they're girl, you always going to be looking at you anyway because of your previous issue and you have to have a whole commission of folks from different political parties different economic philosophies or whatever vote on coming after you yep and those they did. cases are strong. Yeah, those cases are strong. And in her case, it was not uh, my understanding of it. And of course, it's public record and we'll pull it up in time for the next episode. But at least my preliminary understanding of this is that it was not dismissed. Like she, you know, she got a slap on the wrist about it. But the bottom line is. And even if it was dismissed, the mere fact that you were under, which it wasn't, but the mere fact that you were under that microscope, that means that there was something going on and you needed to course correct. And you right. didn't. Right. And, and on top of that, this scheme is bigger, better, involves more people. It's across the country uh, with Homeland Security involved. There may be even some concerns about foreign banks. Like, this is a mess. Yeah. And it and it doesn't look good. And you not only are one of the last dominoes to fall, but you are going down publicly kicking and screaming, which you have every right to do, but kicking, screaming, and playing in people's faces on television every week. Every week. But you gotta not, do what you gotta do. Well, and she got to do what she got to do to get that check because yeah. I'm sure that whatever is or is not going on in uh with judge with judge with coach Shaw, I'm sure one of the one of the things that we can bet our bottom dollar on is together or apart, he's like um you better be using them bravo checks to pay your lawyers. Yeah. Yeah. Cuz what we not going to do is mess with my apartment money my chick money, <laughs> my paying for tuition for our son to go to medical school money, uh, Omar going to be in college in a couple of years money. That's what we not going to do. Right. Whatever house we're really living in, because this is just one we're renting for the show money. That's what we not going to do. In fact, there isn't even a home listed that she owns. It's just, just, it's just not looking good. I mean, yeah, it's, it's not a innocent good look. aside. It's just not looking very positive. And it's just like, 
I, I, I said this even on Twitter as, as an attorney, let alone a defense attorney, but just as an attorney, period. And I'm sure same thing for you. Watching her on this show, it's, it's, it's similar, similarly with Erica Jane, but the only, the difference with Erica Jane is Erica Jane's situation is more, you know, where you want to grab her and shake her from a moral standpoint. But at the end of the day, her situation is civil. Either she's going to either she and Tom are going to be ordered to pay X amount of money and a portion of that be imputed to her or it's not. And, you at, know, at least at, at least at this point. Yeah, at, well, that's what I'm saying at this point. But from the standpoint of her being on the show, I still would advise my client against it. But there, at the end of the day, there's no criminal liability. And for the most part, she can cloak herself in the fact that however the money was stolen, if it went through the law firm, that is still something that falls on Tom. Did I potentially benefit? Well, yes. And it's up to the court right. to decide what, if any, liability I pay, whether it's because of the money given to EJ Global or whatever, but it's it's a scenario, like I said, as an attorney, and I'm sure the same thing for you, both of us would be like, if you want me to represent you, you don't do this show because I'm not putting my, represent, my reputation on the line and representing you and you are you know, on this show and, you know, you get upset and may say the wrong thing and what have you. So, but you're still not facing jail time. Jen Shaw, right. on, right. I mean, and that's, that's really what it boils down to. Like we can no talk all day about Erica Jane and the implications of that. But at the end of the day, her freedom is not at issue. And unless or until there is something that they can directly show, which I don't think they will ever be able to do, her physical hand going in pot A to move to pot B, she is just a potentially morally bankrupt beneficiary. Right. And so she will, even if criminal liability were a, an issue in that case, which you and I both know it should be, which is, which Tom knows as well, which is, you know, will I'm going to be nice about what he's doing. Um, jail is not an issue and never will be for her because of the causal, the causal link just not being there. Whereas, um, uh, Jen Shaw, the fact that the money is going to have to be paid back to somebody, the government, whoever, is a foregone conclusion because that's what happens in these situations. But you are facing jail time and a lot of it. Because to me, one day is a lot. So five years, just stick a fork in me. I'm yeah, done. that's a lot. That's a lot. Not to mention the... the and I don't care what kind of jail it is. I don't want to go. But also the forfeiture, because you're talking about Coach Shaw trying to shield assets. I mean, mm -hmm. when once you start dealing with this criminal stuff, that's that's hard. So I would really, you would have to, in a Jen Shaw situation, you would have to pay me an awful lot of money to represent you because there is no attorney in their right mind, and I I don't care who her attorney is. 
there's no attorney in their right mind who who would or well I will say who should be okay with her being on this show not with a crim not with a criminal um case pending the judiciary right. their situation went very quickly because they were already in the midst of a bankruptcy and then when they screwed up there really wasn't much of a question and what have you and with them it was the wife and the husband so there was no question that they that despite how they may have spun it they needed the freaking money um and i think in teresa's mind literally until the bitter end i truly think that she never thought that she would go to jail that she could play the dumb wife role oh no she she never she never imagined that yeah not in a million years so i so i think that it was it was a very different thing i think that this whole thing with jen shaw and the oh we should get kim kardashian on i think that's a total act she's not stupid this is all a part of the the facade of again i'm not crazy i just play crazy on tv but what you're not gonna do if i'm representing you is play those games because that's that's also manipulative um and so if i were to represent you i you would definitely get what i call the asshole fee which is right. you're going to pay a whole lot more because I am dealing with your stuff and in the case of Jen Shaw you are also putting my reputation on the line because I I will have a long line of colleagues who are looking at me like it's not even what's wrong with her what's wrong with you that you're allowing your client to do that which we right, know right. we can't make them do anything now of course when they take pleas and they go to jail pookie and them go back and tell their family that their lawyer beat browbeat them into pay, taking a deal no you took a deal because you did it <laughs> i just facilitated the deal just because you lied to your family about the fact that you were selling crack and they lied to themselves about why you were driving a tesla and you have no job that's on y'all but you took the deal because you did it Let's oh, be clear, you're not Pookie. Supposed to say that part out loud, huh? But, or, or you're not supposed. Oh, to say I would that love to. Yeah. You, what you're what you're supposed to say is, once you took the deal, you did it. There's no take back. Yeah. That's it. That's it. For, but forever. let's be clear. I can't say it to your family, but I'm gonna say it to you. You know you did that shit because we already talked about it. So. <laughs> Okay, like my client with the laundromat, and we're going to end on this. You know that you stole the money from the laundromat where you worked at, because when I asked you why your landlord was here at court to testify against you, and you said you didn't know, you probably should have told me that, no, you do know. He's coming to tell the court that you paid your rent in quarters because your dumbass didn't even have enough sense to go to the coin star at Food Lion and get regular money to pay your rent. You know, I have to tell you, being a lawyer is actually pretty boring for the most part, but there's always these like little silver linings of crazy that makes it all worth it sometimes yeah well being a defense attorney can be fun especially when you are 
deal when you are um and that was in my PD day PD days. So of course, you know, when you are carrying around, you know, 25, 30, sometimes even 35 cases a day, it, there's going to be some foolishness in there somewhere. <laughs> you know, you are going to have at least one client like I've had on multiple occasions. You're going to have at least one client a, a, in a week who is going to come back who is going to come to court for possession of marijuana or return on a possession of marijuana. And when they have to empty their pockets to come into through security, there is also marijuana in their pockets that goes <laughs> through the x-ray machine. You're going to have those issues. Right. right. <laughs> so, I mean, you know, just ridiculous, <laughs> but yeah. anyway, folks, and those are real stories, by the way. <laughs> Even the 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 laundromat thing with the quarters and paying rent, real story, swear, hand to God. One of my favorite and most foolish uh, stories to tell, which is why it always sticks with me. Um, <laughs> all right, so we are going to go. Thank you so much. And for those who hung with us, fine. If not, I'm going to put timestamps in this episode so you can see where the gossip stops and starts and um, starts and stops as well as uh, this episode. You know, when we get into this legal stuff, it's just wild. Next week, I am assuming... Actually, this week, I don't know if we're going to see um, Real Housewives of Salt Lake City. I'm going to have to look it up because apparently the pursuit of Portia is starting oh, this, I know, and that whole thing, it didn't make it into our gossip chat uh, this week, but I'm sure it'll make it in next week. Not the show. I am I, not. But, uh, and I watch enough reviewers that I'll get the gist of it from them. But um, the whole thing with the um, co-opting the R. Kelly stuff, I... I I'm still working my way through a tasteful way to have that discussion in light of um, my uh, tremendous respect and support of uh, of victims and um, knowing um, personally what the toll that that takes and how difficult that is in relation to how Portia plays into all of that. So I, I'm still uh, working on a, a tasteful way to have that conversation. Mm -hmm. uh, the working, girl. It, yeah, because I, and I know you and I have touched on it. So it's, it's, I think we're both still working on that one. <laughs> um, yeah. That's one of those God is not through with me yet uh, conversations. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, and it, and it's, it's not about, you know, shaming or anything like that is just the entirety of this, of the scenario and the way that the, the way that the story is being told and, and the details of it as it relates to the money grab victims. Yeah. Because the book and the show are all coming out in tandem 
Um, but anyway, the reason why I bring that up is not to take us down that road because you can tell that uh, she and I immediately went from great to great discussion to exasperated. Um, I don't know if that means that we're going to lose a week of Salt Lake City. Um, I think it's possible. I don't think it's it's um, necessarily a bad thing because a lot of times, as you and I know as longtime watchers of we're both TV files, not just reality addicts, but you and I have both been heavy TV watchers our whole lives and can turn this and we can literally dissect this thing inside out. Usually during holiday week, schedules are disrupted anyway. Um, It'll just give me more time to read up on cold. Uh, absolutely. That'll give us more time to read up on the cult, uh, more time to read up on, uh, at things as it evolves with Jen Shah and, um, the, you know, just some of the FTC stuff to do some research and all of that, because, um, this all unfolded this weekend, weekend before Thanksgiving, shoot, we're getting ready to do stuff with our families. Also, obviously even way more important than all of this. I've been focused on the Ahmaud Arbery case. And uh, no, I take that back. The McMichaels and Brian case for the killing of Ahmaud Arbery, because That's that right. is who the case is truly about. I, um, so um, redirect that. So, <laughs> okay. So we are going to go. I will be uh, talking about the McMichaels and Brian's case as well as my predictions on that um i wanted to make sure that i finished all the closings and stuff so i will probably record that episode sometime tomorrow morning um the session will end in two minutes that's fine because we're ending it so (laughs) so missy thank you so much as always it is a blast and i cannot wait till the next time and we are too two shows away from episode 100. Oh my gosh. So I can't wait to have you and others on. Other than that, everybody, thank you for the show. My time limit is up because we went longer than I expected. So uh, always remember, if you're thinking about it, linking about it, clicking about it, want to talk about it, chances are I want to talk about it with you. So let's be honest together. Good night. Good night, everybody.